Hi, this is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling, originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue and capital, the barbecue and capital, or the barbecue and social distancing capital of the North Coast. Only one week. Can only do it for one week, right in the trash. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight via phone call or email, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening During the course of the next two hours, coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's the third Tuesday of the month, and that's going to bring a regular visit from the creator of the Barbecue Bible website and requisite self-titled book, which is easily the most popular barbecue and grilling book ever. Stephen Reichland will be joining us once again. Now, if you are a fan of the show, you know that on purpose, we left two items open Last week, last week, last month that we will have to hit on, and one of them was the A5 Wagyu brisket bacon project that we had talked about. I'm not sure what kind of a relationship he has with Crowd Cow. However, there was, I don't know if they just send him stuff or if he's an advocate for them or if there's some in kind sponsorship slash advertising going on. They mention him, he mentions them, what have you. But last month, he was given an A5 Wagyu brisket flat that he said he was going to be turning into A5 brisket bacon. And I'd never had it before. We talked about how that might turn out and how over the top it was. And he said, you know, because I'm this kind of a stand-up guy, I'm going to reserve some of that. And next month, we will talk about it. Maybe he has some to actually physically show us as he is coming to us from the Martha's Vineyard. So we'll see what happens. The other item that we left open was the actual origins of bacon. So we were one of these, uh, through one of the questions that I was asking him last month, I said, well, can we call brisket bacon? Typically, Most always you think of a pork product when you talk about bacon. Does it always have to be pork when you talk about bacon? What's the right terminology? 
just kind of throwing it out tongue in cheek. And he said, you know, that's your question begets more questions than we're going to have answers this evening. So he was going to do some due diligence on the origin of bacon when it first started showing up and when people started using it. Did it always relate to pork? So I believe it was called uh, entomology of the word bacon. So we will tie up those two items right off the top of the segment, and then we will get into the agenda that we have set. Stephen has been picked as the HPBA iGrill Advocate. So we'll talk to him about that project, what that means to him. We'll talk about what he has planned for the upcoming weekend or how this weekend will look compared to Memorial Days in the past. It's going to look a lot different for most people. Maybe not all of you. Uh, Maybe some of you don't celebrate Memorial Day that big, so no big change. Maybe some of you are really big into Memorial Day. I know that was one of the two or three days we used to fire up the boat anchor and use it throughout the course of the day for breakfast right off the bat, then keep it going for lunch, and then obviously finish up with dinner, maybe roast some marshmallows for s'mores after the fact, but really get the use out of it since we were going to be firing up the boat anchor, which we did two to three times a year. And now it might look different going into this weekend. So we'll talk to him about that. Recipes, I, uh, recipes, uh, wow, recipes, ideas. I almost did it again for a third time. I also saw him post a video on Instagram of shishito peppers. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And I've only ever had them once, and I didn't have a great experience. So I want to talk to Stephen about shishito peppers. And maybe I didn't do them right, but I was following directions. You know, I'm very non-adept at being the recipe wizard, the creator, the impromptu person of, I have this on the shelf and that on the shelf, and I think I can just throw it together. I'm very good speaking off the top of my head, filling in when guests drop out or when technical issues, I become uh, unflappable. But put me in the kitchen, and unless it's easy or unless I've had it before or unless I have a recipe to follow, I'm not that kind of a person that's a freelance cook. So we'll uh, talk to him about this shishito pepper and how it should taste and some uh, ideas on where you could get them. I I got them through Blue Apron or one of those meal plan things when we had tried it out for a month or whatever the hell the trial period was, those came in a meal. Only one time. I had never seen them before. I don't know if they're widely available or not. To be honest, I'm not a huge pepper fan. I don't mind peppers, but I don't go seeking peppers. So maybe we've walked right past them in the grocery store, and I've just never seen them. So plenty to talk about with Steve. Also talk to him about the Barbecue Hall of Fame that's coming up here as we announce the class of 2020 next Wednesday. Then 35 past the hour, we will be joined by the other third Tuesday of the month Regular guest, Robin Lindars from GrillGirl.com. Traditionally, we'd be getting a recap of Memphis in May. That would have happened this past weekend, but obviously that didn't happen, given everything that's happening in the country right now in the state of coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever the hell you want to call it. So the contest didn't go off. We'll talk to her about what she missed about not being there, some of her favorite Memphis in May highlights and why she likes going there. I'm also going to ask her if she thought that she could field a team that could actually be competitive there and win overall grand championship or just win one of the poor categories, whether it be whole hog ribs or shoulder. So we'll talk to her about that. And then we will uh, talk about this new venture that she has with Kingsford slash Masterbuilt. 
I think I actually was solicited by the folks or the marketing department. I don't know if it was for Kingsford or if it was specifically for Masterbook, but there was also a conglomeration of do some recipes and cook on this grill and we'll send out a video. And I voiced how I'm not necessarily the recipe guy, but I could come up with something if they wanted to talk about it further and how my thousands and thousands of dollars to apply on a video would come into play. Magically, I never heard anything else. So we'll talk to her about her experience in the master build gravity fed world too, as that seems to be continuing to gain steam and popularity. So we'll talk to her about that. Then we'll move to the second hour and the full second hour booked out with the co-founder of one of the most successful barrel cookers on the market. Some would say the only barrel cooker on the market today. It was his wife in the beginning of the year, but Noah Glanville will rejoin the show at 1014 and 1035. And we will have extravagant times talking about the state of business right now as it sits not only just from his perspective across the country, but where specifically Pit Barrel Cooker is sitting, how one gauges the successes or non-successes of 2020, given the state of the environment at this point, how that's affecting certain things. Some businesses are being mightily impacted to the negative. Some are actually doing better than maybe they would have under a normal scenario. A lot of those folks are in the live fire industry. Some of those folks are in businesses such as charcoal or the uh, fuel departments because a lot of people are staying home. They're consuming more fuel than they would have normally, and now it's a supply and demand type thing. So if you're selling charcoal or fuel for that matter, you're able to write your own ticket a little bit more than you would have in years past or conditions past. And we'll also talk about the prospect of a bigger pit barrel cooker coming down the pike potentially sooner than later or whatever validity those rumors have behind them, as we have mentioned it for any number of months here on this show in that 50-gallon size. We'll also get potentially in the second interview site an exclusive look at what is being billed as the Pit Barrel Lifestyle Room. Have you heard about this? It was going to be released, revealed, and or otherwise walked through at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's annual conference. It was supposed to be held the first weekend in April. Uh, that's one of the many things that didn't happen, of course. So, First look and reveal here on this show in the 1035 segment at some point. So you're going to want to stay tuned the whole show. It's going to be great. A lot of business talk on the pit barrel cooker side, too. You can talk about barbecue all day. We'll do that in the first hour. But a little business talk for those that are more adept at that. Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations, famous for the original beef sausage. That's coarse ground and a natural pork casing. Plus, there are authentic Central Texas barbecue. All meats, including the prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. They can include a custom gift note. And they can mail to multiple addresses without incurring additional charges. So if you know you have 
a big holiday coming up or you have successive birthdays coming. You can do the whole order at once, different shipping addresses. They're not going to ding you each and every time. All the shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. And they're shipped with dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. They have two restaurants that you can eat in. Elgin, Texas since 1882 and Bastrop, Texas since 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. And here's the best part. When you shop southsidemarket.com, make sure you load in all the good stuff. The sausage slammers, the jalapeno cheddar sausage, the hot guts. And then as you're checking out, use promo code BBQ Central for 10% off the entire order. BBQ C-E-N-T-R-A-L, all one word, lowercase, BBQ Central. And you can get 10% off the entire order the first time and the 10th time and the 110th time. It's good every single time. Share it with your friends. Let them know. The Barbecue Central Show is hooking you up with 10% off everything at Southside Market. And that's the website, southsidemarket.com, with promo code BBQ Central. We are back. With a man, the Barbecue Hall of Famer and Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, Stephen Reichland, right after this. Stick around. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings, barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All of Dave's products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always, always trust your butcher. All right, my first guest this evening is the third Tuesday of the month regular. He is a TV show host, the creator and instructor of a very popular barbecue university, which we will talk about here in just a few minutes as well. Author of some of the most successful barbecue and grilling books in the history of barbecue and grilling books, we race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Stephen Reichland. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I am absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And we have a number of, of different things to get to. So let's start right off the bat, as I had mentioned there in the open. You have a barbecue university that you've been doing for any number of years now. And uh, while it's not necessarily in jeopardy, jeopardy, uh, the dates may be sliding here. So what can you tell us from a most up, a most recent update on where Barbecue University sits right now? Well, actually, the school will be taking place as scheduled. That is over Father's Day weekend, the 18th to the 21st of June. Uh, it takes place at the new home of Barbecue University, the beautiful uh, Montage pa- uh, Palmetto Bluffs. Uh, in uh, South Carolina. Um, you know, obviously this year the school is going to be uh, a little bit different than in past years. We're working on uh, safe social distancing, all the safe measures, you know, that are required in the day and age we live in. But we feel like uh, after being confined for 
two months, people be, will be ready to get out and uh, grill at Barbecue University. Do you have to uh, do any type of downsizing on the amount of participants, or are you just making sure everybody's spaced out? I would imagine that there could be a, a potential of um, missed expectation if they're not allowed to be you know, hanging around one Stephen Reichlin as they might want. Well, they'll get plenty of Stephen Reichlin. They'll just get him uh, six feet away. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, we've, uh, I, I have a great team, uh, with me and the, uh, the chef, Nathan uh, Berlio at the new property is just fantastic. And, you know, we all understand, I think everybody understands is the new normal and, uh, we are lucky to be able to have barbecue university at all. So, uh, we're going to make it work. We're going to make it safe and we're going to make it extremely delicious. All right. So is there any chance that this might get pushed back if something happens here over the next handful of weeks or uh, hell or high water 18th through the 21st of June, it's set and it's going to happen? Well, look, I mean, you know, uh, I think we learned this year that man plans and God laughs. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that's an old Jewish, uh, an old Jewish uh, saying. Uh, but uh, the plan is now to do it. You know, I mean, God forbid if something terrible happens, we will adjust accordingly the way uh, Americans have been adjusting accordingly and the world has been adjusting accordingly. But uh, that's the plan right now. All right, Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com. And as he had mentioned, 18th through the funny, uh, 21st of June, Barbecue University will be going down in the most safe conditions possible. So if you have plans of attending, make sure that you still show out for Stephen and the gang out there. Two items that we had open from last month, Stephen. The first one was the A5 brisket beef bacon. Uh, you had just gotten your hands from Crowd Cow on oh. an A5 brisket oh. flat, and you said you would talk about it here on this show, if not have uh, potential samples, but I would assume as, as three and a half weeks evaporates uh, quickly did the beef uh, beef bacon. But how did that work out? Uh, it worked out amazingly, to be honest with you, uh, what samples there were, were gone within 36 hours and that was showing extreme restraint, restraint. It was, it was, it was really amazing. I mean, you know, first of all, bacon made with beef instead of with pork, uh, has its own bliss quantity. And then because that A5 is so extraordinarily well marbled, when you bite into it you get these almost like little bubbles of luscious smoky fat that just sort of explode uh that when when you take a bite i mean it was it was insane it was extraordinary it was uh extravagant and i can't wait to do it again and uh you know what also uh, i'm looking forward to to doing again is okay so the a5 Wagyu brisket, it's obscenely ex expensive. But I think if you take a deckle, that is that brisket uh, uh, point, that fatty part, and you cure it like you would cure bacon and smoke it the same way, you want something very similar and uh, much more affordable. So that's, uh, that's my next experiment. So if you go from a brisket, or a brisket, if you go from a flat, as you were using, to the point, does the end product... Mm -hmm change at all because inherently the point is uh, much more fatty or perhaps we could use a better word and say succulent does the end product change drastically well what changes is the distribution of the fat you know when you're looking at a point it's got very thick veins of fat uh, very much like bacon right uh when you look at the a5 brisket flat you that fat is it's it's woven it's it's 
it's almost like a super fine mesh of fat and meat. So I think the mouth feels the same. The appearance is a little different. All right. Uh, Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. The other item that we uh, 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 on purpose left open was the origins of bacon, the term itself, where we might have seen it first mentioned in print or the first time it was used. And was it in reference specifically to pork? I believe the term you said was uh, entomology. Ed- etymology. Etymology. etymology yes. concerns That's bugs. Mi- mis- uh, bugs. Yeah, sorry. And etymology concerns words. Correct. And uh, Greg, you caught me with my pants down. I'm afraid I did not get to do that research, but I promise you I will have it done for next time, particularly if you shoot me a reminder when you remind me about the, uh, about the session. All right, so let's make a guess just to uh, uh, pe- play a little betting game, and then we will corroborate or, or we will uh, confirm uh, next month. What do you think? Do you think it is uh, something that will be specific to pork and it's – First uses? You know, man, I'm not going to speculate because the information is so readily available in the Oxford English Dictionary. If anybody has all 36 volumes of that, uh, I've got the condensed version. Uh, so let's, let's, you know, let's not be loose with the facts. We already have a guy in the White House who does that. Uh, let's just uh, let's wait till we get the facts. Fair enough. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. BarbecueBible.com is his website, by the way. Now, uh, let's talk about the HPBA, or the Hearth Patio and Barbecue Association, I believe, is the acronym. And it's specifically Why I Grill. They have chosen you, or, or perhaps they asked you to be their ambassador for this endeavor. So talk to me a little bit about the program, uh, how they approach you, and uh, what, what it's all about. Well, you know, the program is uh, simply to get people grilling uh, for uh, starting in National Barbecue Month, which is this month. Um, And uh, it's to, uh, you know, to celebrate grilling. And I guess they made me the poster boy for that. Um, The it it was an interesting question why why I grill, because, you know, it's, it's something I do every almost every day about it or doing it or, you know, doing it on TV shows or at home. Uh, but I hadn't really kind of sat down thought about it, and I thought about all of the things in my life and in our communal life that come together. And one is, uh, you know, for me, I've always been a history buff, I've always been a culture buff, and I've always been a cooking buff. So those three things come together for me. You know, if you've read my books or watched the shows, very into the history of food, the history of grilling. I think another point is, is that... It's, it connects us with our very deep evolutionary roots. You know, it was a distant human ancestor called uh, Homo erectus that discovered that you could cook meat uh, and other foods over live fire about 1.8 million years ago. And that really started us, was the most important technological discovery we ever made, started us on the road to modern mankind. It was the way people have cooked for all but, let's say, 150 years of human existence. Uh, and the sense of safety that it brings, of comfort, of, cu- of well-being, of community, you know, you don't grill for one person. I mean, you're always, a barbecue is always for a community. Uh, it's always for your tribe, for your community. All of that 
stems from the, uh, the that first barbecue about 1.8 million years ago. I think that's why we connect with it in such a deep visceral way. And you know, whether you're lighting a gas grill on your patio, whether you build, you know, you're 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 smoking in a stick burner, anytime you light a fire, you're kind of connecting with what makes us human. When you look at 1.8 million years ago, as you had references, being that first barbecue or first grilling, do you forever see a time between now and who knows when into the future where we wouldn't ever need fire or cook with fire? Uh, No, I don't. I think it's so much a part of the human experience we will keep it. That is not to say that technologically, you know, I mean, uh, sous vide has sort of uh, uh, d- tried to replace low, slow smoking, although, you you know, you finish it over a hot fire. Uh, we certainly have the technology, you know, we have electric grills, uh, we have solar grills. But put it this way, it will be a sorry day in, uh, in the history of humanity if we ever give up live fire for cooking. Stephen, as I love to follow the blog and your social media, on Instagram, you had a, a blazing hot coals. Um, I saw the, the cave manning of a steak, which, of course, you've kind of uh, fostered that into becoming very vogue. We all know about it. But then you had these, uh, is it shishito peppers? Is that right? Shishito peppers. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. the only time I have ever had shishito peppers in my life, uh, we, uh, I don't know, it was Four or five months ago, my wife and I subscribed to a Blue Apron for a month because we got some really great deal. And it's the meal thing where they send you all the stuff. you got to put it together, but they send you all the ingredients. Yeah. And uh, one of the meals, only one, had these shishito peppers. I've never seen them before. Uh, I wasn't overly jazzed about them, but it could have been preparation. So I guess, A, is this something that you eat on the regular if they're in season? And then how do you find them to be best prepared and how should they taste? Well, I love the shishito peppers uh, because they've got some of the aroma uh, of a jalapeno or a serrano, mm. serrano, but none of the heat. Um, well, well I, I take that back. Uh, it's kind of a little bit like roulette. You uh, Every maybe five, five or eight peppers, you get one that's hot, and then the rest of them are very mild, but they're much more interesting than a bell pepper. Uh, in terms of the best way to cook them, it's the way that I first had them uh, on my... Uh, my uh, first trip to Japan researching uh, barbecue Bible. And that is you skewer them on a bamboo skewer. You paint them with sesame oil, mm. sprinkle with coarse sea salt and sesame seeds, and you grill them over a hot fire. Nothing could be simpler. And to me, this is still the best way to make a shishito. Now, it's interesting because, you know, I'm working on this new vegetable grilling book. Mm-hmm. So one of the recipes there, I had some kind of fun with it. And I cut them in half lengthwise. And stuff them with uh, manchego cheese and uh, serrano ham and a little tiny dot of quince paste. And uh, I made, you know, sort of a, a Japanese-Spanish popper uh, with the shishito. But they're really great. What I was trying to do with that caveman T-bone uh, over the weekend was, uh, you know, the kind of the notion of um, a, a cheesesteak with uh, peppers and onions? Sure. So I was trying to do that with my caveman uh, steak, and then I cooked the shishitos with some uh, thinly sli- sliced shallots, and uh, and they were just it was a fantastic accompaniment to steak. 
So is the shishito pepper from a consumer standpoint something readily available that I'm going to find at the local five and dime, or is that more of a Asian market that I would have to go find and shop there? Well, you know, it's funny. These things, like I remember writing about it and you couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, they're pretty prevalent now. These came from a, uh, a company in California called Melissa's. I know you can buy them at uh, Whole Foods. You can buy them at my local Milam supermarket. Uh, so we have this wonderful way in America of you take an exotic food, you know, people taste it, they like it, and then all of a sudden it's not so exotic anymore. I was just writing about shiitake mushrooms and remembering when, mm. you know, the sh- you couldn't even find shiitakes. You had to get, you know, dried shiitakes and reconstitute them in water. And uh, I, would we- I would venture to say most people can find uh, – uh, the shishito peppers in their local supermarket. By the way, there's a Spanish, very close cousin or brother of the shishito called pepper. They're slightly different anatomically, taste-wise, and the way they grill, absolutely the same. All right, uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. Uh, you'd mentioned mushrooms. Uh, now, here's where I do not have a lack of breadth of knowledge on the palate because I absolutely love mushrooms. Now, of course, uh, much like a lot of things in this house, uh, the man in the house, and I'm the only man in the house, is the one that loves mushrooms. All the other women in the house think mushrooms are absolutely gross. I say, hey, be like me, be a fun guy, and eat the fun guy. You see what I'm saying here? What's your favorite mushroom to eat? Do you have a, a, a preference? Mm. Uh, I, well, you know, I kind of love them all. I mean... Uh, a fresh porcini uh, right out of the woods in Italy and grilled over wood fire. That's pretty amazing. Uh, I love shiitakes. In the new book, by the way, there's going to be a recipe for a shiitake bacon uh, <laughs> where you fry. Well, I won't tell you how to do it. You got to buy the book when it comes out a year go. from now. Uh, I love hand of the woods, uh, you know, just uh, brush with butter, uh, season with herbs. Um, it's. Yeah, you know, it's pretty tough to think of a mushroom I don't love. Well, that portobello that you had with the egg on top of it looked absolutely spectacular. Is that a recipe that's on the website right now? That's on the website, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, my uh, my assistant uh, who actually runs our website is uh, Nancy Lowski, yep. who's uh, sort of a neighbor of yours. She lives in Cleveland. By the way, she just came out with a terrific book called The Healthy uh, Pellet Grill and Smoker Cookbook. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Nancy did that blog on uh, shiitakes, and uh, the picture you're referring to, it's a grilled shiitake with a, uh, with a, in effect, a sunny side egg mm-hmm. uh, in the center, and man, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me transition over to this last part here, and you are a member of the Barbecue Hall of Fame. What year were you inducted, Steve? I want to say maybe 15 or 18. You're right, 2015. That's right. Oh, my God. Where'd the time go? Well, it's flying by at a rapid pace, as I have come to find out here. It seems the older you get, the days tick by even faster than when we are in our youth. So uh, in a week and one day, we will be unveiling here exclusively on this show with the help of the American Royal and Emily Park over there, who the three uh, will make up the 2020 class of the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Uh, I assume since you are currently in there that you would receive the short list of the nine names, and I think you're supposed to pick your favorite three or something like that. So as you perused that list, um, uh, certainly everybody's very deserving. We had a big 
uh, Hall of Fame roundtable with some of the folks that are on the nominating committee, and, and everybody was in agreement that all the names on the list were great. Uh, are, are there any that uh, you would like to talk about, just uh, show a little bit of a spotlight on, or uh, your thoughts on the nine list of uh, semifinals? Well, I thought they were all immensely qualified. Uh, I'm sure the names are going to be familiar uh, to uh, all of your listeners. Uh, you know, Aaron Franklin, the uh, guy that sort of turned uh, brisket into a into an object of uh, religious worship. Uh, Meathead is on the list. Um, Rodney Scott, you know, a, a very deserving group. And um, it's, uh, uh, you know, like they say, it's an honor just to be nominated. And uh, I have no idea who's going to win. All right. So let me ask you, because, you know, I have to. Do you want to exclusively reveal your list tonight? Who are the three, Stephen? I do not. No. All right. Big surprise. I got to ask, of course, although uh, my my hope was about at 1%. So, uh, all right. So um, we have a, a new Memorial Day coming up here on Monday. Uh, what's on the What's on the agenda for you guys? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. You know, uh, holidays have been a little bit weird. Uh, uh, we did uh, Passover by Zoom, uh, Mother's Day. Uh, our family came at the foot of the drive. We did a sort of social distanced uh, uh, Mother's Day. Yep. Uh, my wife's birthday, again, it was a social distance uh, birthday. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, certainly, we're certainly not going to have a big family barbecue. Yeah, well, I think that's for the majority of people, but uh, we'll see how it goes as it all unfolds here over the next handful of days. It's Stephen Reichlin. You can find him here on the third Tuesday of the month. Otherwise, follow him on his social media haunts and over at the website, barbecuebible.com. Stephen, we will talk about the bacon etymology next time, correct? You got it. All Thanks, right. man. We Good will talk to you to then. You. There he is, Stephen Reichlin. From the Barbecue University and Barbecue Bible and all that stuff right there. Stay safe, Stephen. Stay safe. Please, oh, please. Everybody stay safe. All right. Robin Lindars is in the green room right now, anxiously awaiting to come on and talk about live fire stuff. I can't wait to get her take on that master-built cooker. All right, I'll talk to you quickly about Sterling Ball and the gang over at Big Papa Smokers first, then we'll get to Robin. Big Papa's the one and only place where you should be going for all your barbecue stuff. A curated selection of the best outdoor barbecue and grilling supplies gets you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. They have 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rubs and seasonings like Sweet Money or Regular Money or Cattle Prod or Cash Cow. Or Desert Gold, Little Louis Steak, um, Little Louis Season Salt. If you like Season Salt with a little more of a pepper kick, definitely want to give that one a try. Now, if you're sick of all the other sauces that are out there on the market right now and you don't want to dilly-dally around with those, you want to try something new that will tug at your heartstrings, Granny's Barbecue Sauce is the one that you're going to want to check out. They own it. It's a great sauce all on its own. However, if you're not into making base sauces and you want something that is going to be really flavorful right out of the box that you can then tweak from there. Base sauce. Granny's Barbecue Sauce, really good for that. 
Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, you know they're selling those cookers, right? If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offer special packages. Nobody else does that. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, all right. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're not sure of what grill you need, you really can't go wrong with anything that they offer. If you have any questions, you call them, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. The Grill Girl coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. Buy them. Check out all the other products at CookinPellets.com, C-O-O-K-I-N. You can also purchase on Amazon if you would rather do that. But either way, grab them up. They're great pellets. They work in all pellet cookers. Don't fall for that. Use these pellets or else. CookinPellets.com. It's a brand I use for crying out loud. You should too. Tell Chris Becker, we sent you on over. And by we, I mean me. Hey, it's the third Tuesday of the month. I already mentioned that. She's also a regular Tuesday guest. It is Robin from GrillGirl.com. Hey, Robin. Hi, Greg. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you and happy May to you. We are racing through the year as we are in the middle of month five, if you can believe it or not. People laugh at me, you know, when January 1st comes around and that first show of the new year, I say, well, whatever year it is rapidly coming to a close. Well, guess what? We're five and a half months in rapidly coming to a close. I mean, and who thought that you could say rapidly coming to a close when for the majority of this year we have been rapidly staying in our homes for weeks and months on end. So even I know. even that, That's- it's still rapidly coming to a close. We can't stop time. What are you drinking? Wine. Wine. What what do you uh what do you drink? Riesling tonight. We're Riesling. out of just shitty Pinot oh. Grigio. God, is it a <laughs> is it a uh, Gewurztraminer? No, it's just a dry Riesling. It's yeah. uh, we order, and I'm not trying to give them a shout out, but Naked Wines, which is like an investment led wine company, you can order a big box for pretty inexpensive. What, what is investment? Straight to your door. It's all about shipping these days. You what, know? What's investment led mean? And they're like um, small batch wineries that are backed by like investors, and um, you can you know you can try out new wines that you might not have heard of otherwise. So. You know, you get to try some stuff that's, you know, sometimes random, but very, very affordable prices. Got it. All right. So uh, that's investor led ride. Big boxes. We love big box wine. We're big fans of that. All right. So uh, as I mentioned in the top of the show, this past weekend would have been the 2020 version of Memphis in May. Obviously, that didn't happen because of what's happening across the country and the world right now. You are going to be taking part as you have for any number of years at this point. What was the first time you went down to Memphis in May and and what was the thing that struck you the most or perhaps inspired you the most to then want to keep going back and then potentially get into it from a competition standpoint? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, my dad and I have kind of had a long history, well, a long enough history with Memphis and May. You know, I, I first kind of discovered Memphis and May, gosh, probably back in like 2010. I um, had done a blog post in the earlier days of Grill Girl about how my dad and I just wanted to go and check it out. And it was like his dream just to see what it was all about. And then um, Neil Gallagher from Two Sauce to Pork happened to read my blog and was like, hey, do you want to come uh, just see what the team thing is like? And and so we went and then we you know got really into it and then uh, competed for a couple years just to kind of see what that was about. And then my dad got was getting into doing his own competition stuff in South Carolina. And then he decided to um, eventually go out on and start his own team, which he did um, Porkville Justice League for a couple years. And yeah, so we, we did, it was really dad, dad and Patrick started their own team. So we went through kind of the whole process. We were on two sauce to pork and then we kind of jumped around for a little bit. I guess we were like free agents uh, trying new stuff. And then at one point we were on, uh, a team with Mo Kaysen called Down to Smoke. He was like our star chef one year. And um, that was kind of funny because it, it was like that team. It was just anyway, it was funny. <laughs> what what does that, that mean? You were going to say something and then you backed off of it. What were you going to say? Well, it was always just we would make a joke that we were kind of like uh, we were like Steve uh, Martin and the Jerk if that in that movie if you remember like we were like the token white people on that team but that's why it was it was such an awesome team we were like Steve Martin and the Jerk on that team got it it was it was pretty awesome all right so yeah. um, then we started the Justice League yes and um and it. You know, I don't know what happened with that. I think yeah, dad just wanted to go in a separate way. So, um, but we have been through the whole experience of starting a team and it's pretty, it's just such a damn fun event, whatever team you're on. It's just, it's just like everything in, in Memphis, like Memphis in May from a barbecue competition standpoint, it's like the Super Bowl, and everything is just on steroids. The, the party is on steroids. Like everything about it is just like, Big, big personalities, just tons of fun. Large investments are made to be be there, yeah. you know, from a sponsorship perspective. But it's it's just freaking amazing and fun. And it's just like I've met so many really nice, awesome people doing Memphis in May. And I've I guess because of the the blogging angle for such a long time, I've gone as a competitor, but then also covered it from a press perspective, like with the pork board over the years and Kingsford over the years and and whatnot. So it's really given me an opportunity to interview a lot of people and stuff and just see behind the scenes what a really neat experience it is. And, and you know, Memphis is kind of cool because it's it's not KCBS. Um, the judging, oh. the governing body is Memphis Barbecue Network. So it is really like its own pomp and circumstance, if you will. Um, it has kind of its own whole judging thing where you do on site and there's a lot of, uh, you know, presentation that goes into it, which is, I think, you know, imagine someone like Brad Orison, he's amazing. His presentation is amazing. Like he's got such a big personality. And so that's how Memphis is so interesting that you really do have that whole layer of not just the food, but the presentation, how you set up your tent. Like it's, it's a thing it's, but it's just a blast too. Robin, do you think that you would be able to put together a team that would either be able to win a world championship in a category and then be good enough to 
represent and win a grand championship at some point, or you're just happy to show up and give it your all with no real expectation of winning a meet category and then subsequently the overall title? I think if you had the organizational skills, if you're if you're someone driven and focused like a toughy stone, you can get yourself there and do well. Um, I think what is distracting about something like Memphis is that it's it is such an expensive endeavor to go and compete that you have to do all of this other bullshit on the side to raise the money to get there. Huh. You know what I mean? So what a lot of teams fall into is selling team memberships, um, you know, selling tickets, you know, to pay for family dinners and stuff like that, like all this other stuff that's a real, you know, just to pay to get a spot there, like, you know, just to pay for your 10 rental and stuff like that, because it's so expensive. It's almost like, I think it's, uh, if I remember correctly, like just the the site fee and everything added up to like $12,000. So, you know, you spend a lot of time. Yeah trying to get money raised and funding it, which is a distraction from just really focusing on like turning in the best piece of meat and, and doing everything the right way and being organized as F and really focused to just get the job done and, and do a good job. You know, it's, I think that's what, in all the teams we've been on, you see there's this level of distraction because you have to do all of these things just to, get the money there to, to be there, you know, but absolutely. I mean, uh, Portville justice league, Patrick took Mark Lambert's class and like the next year, um, you know, his pork, the turn in of our team was like our, our food, our turn in scores for the pork itself were so high, but then we would fail on things like the presentation part or, you know, something that, that, you know, just from a planning perspective and execution, could easily be fixed for the next year. You know, it's just, there's just a lot of moving parts. So I absolutely think that if someone had the time and energy, they could totally get there. Robin Lindar is joining me here on the show. Grillgirl.com is the website, of course, at Robin on Instagram. Be one of the many 20 plus thousand followers. How many is your Instagram at now? You probably know, right? I'm at like 20, 20.6. 20.6. Wow. We, that's a lot. Good for you. I'm working on getting there. Everyone's like, you need to be on TikTok now. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit. I mean, I don't have any time. I just, I'm trying, I can only, there's only so much multitasking we can, I can do, you know? I mean, I, shit. Yeah. You need another Robin to get <laughs> anyway. you on TikTok or, you know, Robin mini me or something like this. I'm like, okay, now here I got to be dancing here. I got to be doing this. Yeah, but, oh, forget about yeah. it. Yeah. If you want to, if if you have a an inkling to sing next season on American Idol Barbecue Central Show Edition, we'll sign you up. You can sing with us. How about that? Awesome. Scratch that it. itch, no problem. Uh, all right. So the other thing that you have going on right now is some kind of a, a mashup or joint venture between the most recognized name in charcoal, that being Kingsford, and this master-built gravity-fed cooker, which. Really, from all accounts, as much as I want to, you know, pan it a little bit, it seems to be getting rave reviews from some of the most respected people out there in the live fire industry today. Uh, you're somebody who has played around with a lot of cookers of uh, varying fuels and forms and fashions and operation. So uh, I know you probably haven't cooked on it a ton, but what are your first blush reactions to this particular grill? Sure. All good questions. Um, to back up, 
I'd say my I've been working with Kingsford for a while, and I am sure. I am a Kingsford girl. Um, but my my partnership has definitely uh, it's we, I feel like we've we've gotten bigger and tighter, and I'm excited about the stuff I'm doing with them. I mean, I always have been, but you know what I mean. Uh, we our our relationship has grown, <laughs> um, and so they have roped me in and um, and have me as a part of what they're calling the um, virtual smokehouse tour. So originally, this was going to be something kind of like a road tour they were going to do um, in person, you know, and in partnership with Walmart and Masterbuilt. Mm. And um, now they're doing it virtually. So what you guys will see is that you can actually see some of the boxes behind me. They uh, shipped a bunch of cameras and stuff. And I filmed um, a, a re- video recipe that will be uh, live this Friday as part of, you know, the stop was here in Fort Myers, Florida, um, of the smokehouse tour. And so you'll see me cooking, uh, actually I'm making red, white, and blue cobbler, uh, which is like a, a fun patriotic dessert. That's also super easy, um, on this grill. So they have a partnership with Masterbuilt. Now, just to back up, what's really cool is that, um, Masterbuilt and Kamado Joe have joined forces now. So what? what's pretty interesting is, yeah. So I actually saw this grill, uh, at the food, uh, the food blah, 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 world food championship. <laughs> I cannot speak English tonight. Ah, brain, little brain dot. It's it's let's call it Corona brain. But um, so last year I actually did a little review of this grill at the world food championships when I was there competing and you know getting footage and stuff. And I it, my mind was a little bit blown because what's really cool about this grill is that it's it's really like the first grill like this of its kind. So it's mm. it's like a net new category right because if you think about it historically you have you have um gas you have pellets you have charcoal but usually when you start seeing the electronics and stuff is in like the pellets and the um gas but you never see it on charcoal grills you know what i mean like there's no automation or, or you know like it's it's most charcoal grills are still pretty basic and so what's really cool about this grill is a it's charcoal b it's gravity fed um, so the actual place where it cooks looks a lot more like the um, the heat box that you would see in like a pellet smoker, um, but it's it's not. It's charcoal, and it's actually got a fan attached to it. So much like the Flame Boss, if you you know the, our friends at the Flame Boss, nope, I don't it know propels, them. <laughs> it can control. Oh no, you don't because you anyway. I'll back up that part. Just you can edit that out later. <laughs> um, so uh, so it takes the fan and propels the flame. And so now you've really kind of digitized the whole process so you can monitor the temperature or control the temperature with the controls. Um, You also have like a timer and all that kind of stuff and all these temperature probes. So it it really is kind of its own grill in its own category. And it's, it cooks pretty awesome. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Uh, I would say that if I, if I did give feedback on that grill, I would say, I think they need a little bit more space for where you actually put, where you're going to light the charcoal. The, the space is small, almost like you would see on a master built electric smoker. And I know their electric smokers pretty well, because that's what I wrote my cookbook on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's a pretty kick-ass little grill. And so I think it's, I love seeing innovation in this space. It gets me excited. So, so uh, I, since I posted that video, people have like really gotten excited. Can't, so uh, so the, the concept here. I mean, yes, it's new in the fact that it's it's a charcoal grill like this. But I mean, if we're really being honest, th- this concept was born out of a stumps or a spice wine. 
or a superior barbecue smoker that's gravity fed. So that charcoal chute has been around and the concept has been around at least for 12 or maybe even 15 years, ever since I've been doing this show in whatever live form or podcast form before that for two years. I mean, I remember talking to Stump McDowell from Stumps, the creator, when he was just getting into the biz with then uh, FBA president, Joni, Joby Staniland, uh, who has uh, since passed. And I thought it was a great concept. That had always been relegated to low and slow. You weren't able to really ramp a stumps up to 600 degrees or 700 degrees in that grilling temperature. So this bridges that gap. I understand that. Can you not light it? I tried to jump on a live stream the other night when the guy from Barbecue Beat had the two owners from Master Built on, and they were talking about how you light it and all this stuff. Can't you dump in like a half a chimney of lit charcoal and then just fill the rest of the shoot up with unlit charcoal? Won't that work? I think that would totally work. And where I would, where I was having a little trouble was starting it, um, just because the hole's pretty small, and they make it small enough to put in a piece of paper or like the tumbleweeds. Yeah. Um, but I never seem to have tumbleweeds. You know, I always use I always use paraffin cubes, and this wasn't was too small to use those. Um, so I figured what the next time I do, what I'll do is just make a little place for the paraffin cube to sit on a piece of tin foil. <laughs> and stick it in there, and then I'll be golden. But, but yeah, you but why be such a pain in the ass? Charcoal. Just jump, just dump the lit charcoal down at the bottom of the chute, and then fill the rest up with unlit charcoal. Away you go, problem solved. Unless there's some That's kind exactly of a, right. a backdraft or a quick burn. I mean, who knows? Maybe your face will blow up. I don't know. But I mean, why bother? Yeah. That that seems that like it would be the easiest work. thing, right? Yeah, that would totally work. Hmm. I think that the concept for that would be eliminating that step, but. But it's really cool. I like it so far. Uh, I'll give you more feedback. But I think I like to see innovation in the category. Like you said, uh, this concept has been more relegated in the low and slow space. Yeah. I like that it's fed on on Kingsford. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to find. You can also use lump in it, of course. Um, but I, yeah, it's cool to see innovation in the category. I, I, so I'm, I'm always, you know, enjoying trying new stuff, especially over fire. All right, let's course. talk about the build quality because that's the the biggest complaint that I hear is that while it's a cooker that's bridging all these gaps and uh, bringing something new to the market, you know, overall people aren't like, oh, well, yeah, it's going to last 15 years or something you're going to hand down to your kid. You know, I've been hearing a lot of, well, if you get five years out of it and you lo- and you use it a lot. You'll have gotten your money. Now, of course, I understand it's like mid-500s normal retail, so it's certainly not breaking the bank, but would you like to see a better build? And perhaps the better question is, would you spend $1,000 on a concept like this if it was constructed more robust? I would spend more if I knew it was going to last longer. You know, I'm... I always I always hold everything kind of up against the standard of like a Weber because I feel like the Webers I've had and they were they were what I started on but they they generally last a long time like uh, for a you know you could spend about eight hundred to a thousand dollars on like a Genesis and every Genesis I've had has has really like lasted a long time like I gave it away well before it was done it was just I probably had too many grills in my backyard and you know that's what was going on right. like they they were always still working you can replace parts so I feel like you know. Um, this, this grill at five years at a $600 price point at five years, I'd be happy. 
Um, but I'd be willing to pay 800 if I could replace parts or, or things mm. like that. You know, I, I feel like um, I'm always more like keep it longer just because, you know, reduce, you know, just not create more waste and things like that. Right. But the truth of the matter is at the average person that's into grilling may want a new grill after five years or there may be new technology out. Um, so there are little things I think that could that I would pay more for just that would make ease of use like um, like I think wheels on a grill are always important. Um, and that's usually where I feel like people skimp on money is the wheels uh, or on quality. I should say like like what I love about the, the Green Mountain Grill um, Prime is those like big green wheels, it, like the all-terrain wheels, because yep. you are going to move your grill around in your backyard and you don't need these like shitty plastic wheels where you know like you're just one stump hitting a stump from like chipping a big piece of plastic off or something you know (laughs) so those are like little tweaks that could make a huge difference in just like enjoying the product more and the longevity you know so i don't know and maybe in my next life well i well i do consult sometimes but those that would be my feedback you know to them or any grill company like that's something that also can add like some quick sex appeal to a grill is like Think about like when you trick out your car and you've got like cool rims on a grill, you kind of can get that same effect, you know, like the cool like rollerblade like wheels, you know, like um, that. that's a, a really good, good way to add some instant bling kind of curb, abil- curb appeal, if you will. Right. Curb your, appeal to grill. the grill. No doubt. Uh, you can check <laughs> out Robin at grillgirl.com or on Instagram at grillgirlrobin. And you can check her out right here on the third Tuesday of each and every month. Robin, always appreciate the time, and thank you for coming up. I always have fun until Noah. I said, hey, I, I keep thinking of our times when we went to the HPBA all together. All right. And had a blast. Yeah. I, I guess that's when Denver started hating us. <laughs> oh, who, who knew? Who knew? Maybe next time we'll talk about that. That's Robin, everybody. Thank you for coming on, Robin. Very good. And oh, my God. We're never going to get over that. We'll never get over. Forever and ever, amen. All right, we're uh, wrapping up the first hour here, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant at home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And I believe next week we will actually have Ted Conrad on the show for the announcement of at least one, potentially two new products coming at coming at you from fireboard fireboard.com and as i have said many times over the last number of months originally when i got my fireboard i threw it in the bottom drawer and it sat there for two or three months before i actually took it out to use 
and was kicking myself ever since. I love it. That thing is so great. Ease of setup is great. Monitor up to six different temperatures, either internally or through the ambient temperature probes. It's great. I love it. You should get one if you don't have. Fireboard.com. And Ted Conrad next week. We're pointing to the second hour. Refresh your libations and we'll be back. Stick around.